Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Uh, listen, I got this testimony to read. It's been sitting up here for a while, and to be honest with you, it's, uh, it's, it's wild to me. But what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to have Mike share a little bit about just the cel- life, you know, the, the fact that we should be celebrating. And then we have some friends here. I'll introduce them here in a, here in a minute. But I want to read this, <clears throat> and this is all to the glory of God. This is amazing. Uh, so I got this email. Let me just read it, how she wrote it. I want to thank Brother Clint Byers for putting out the Tools for Transformation Meditation Series. If you don't have access to those, let me know. I'll shoot you a link. Uh, the, this, these, this series has been a huge blessing to me and the difference between life and death in my family. Now listen, this is crazy. Two years ago, my aunt had a stroke and lapsed into a coma. Two years. When I got the call, my initial response was fear, and then the Holy Spirit reminded me of all I've heard and I was led to send the Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord God, our healer, meditation, uh, to my cousin, strictly instructing him to keep it playing 24-7 in her room. Two years in a coma. To the glory of God, my aunt came out of the coma two days later. Wow. Healed, whole, with not one of her faculties compromised. She says, God is good and his word, all caps, works. I guess so. Thank you for making it available. In fact, it becomes my default get well gift to people. So she's giving. I mean, I don't even know what to do with that. You know, you know how do you, that's bigger than anything we could ever accomplish. That's not something that I did. That's not a CD, the magic of a CD, you know, so I know some people are thinking, oh, man, I got to get that. That's the missing link. No, the missing link is connecting with the Spirit. So, you know, we could try to quantify that a little bit and look at it and think, um, well, okay, so her spirit grabbed a hold of the Word. Brian and I were talking about it, and, you know, maybe it bypassed her mind. She couldn't rationalize it away, and her spirit connected to it. That's kind of what would make sense to us. But why do we need to make sense of it? And it might not even have been the CD, but something happened two years in a coma and came out with not one single problem. That in it, that's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to raise the price on that CD a little bit, I think. <laughs> it's like everything else. What? Yeah. Oh, wait. wait. So it's, yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, appreciate you. Y'all show Mike a little bit of love as he comes up here. Um, thanks, man. Do you, do you need the podium? Or? Oh, oh, you're going to preach. Oh, yeah. No, I just lean on it. Okay. Aren't you going to need it anyway? No, he, he and I are just going to kind of chat. Oh, cool. Do you need it? No, I don't need it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll move it for you. No, I was doing that for you, actually. I was trying to be kind and helpful, but that didn't work, oh, okay. did it? You're looking out for me. I was. Thanks, man. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thanks, the worship team. Wow. Thank you, the Holy Spirit that just knows how to minister. Um, 
I don't, I don't know if you could have picked a more perfect set. My favorite song, Chris, I love you. Thank you for, you know, the anthem of my life is Jesus Christ. The anchor of my soul is Jesus Christ. We need an anchor, right? Because storms come and go, and you need to, you need to hold firm. Excuse me. Um, I speak Jesus over Georgia. I speak Jesus over our nation. I speak Jesus over our world. There's an opportunity in front of us. And so um, I, I'm going to throw some Greek at you. Y'all get your Greek lexicons out. Uh, tabula rasa. Anybody know what it is? Yeah. Blank slate. Tabula rasa. <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Thank you, my friend. Marco Rubio did that, and that was the end of it, right? <laughs> Do y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. All right, so tabula rasa, okay? Blank slate. How many of you are old enough to remember chalkboards? Right? I mean, you write on them, and then if you misbehave during class, you had to come back and erase the whole chalkboard and stay after class and write, I will not misbehave after class a hundred times or until the teacher got ready to go home. I have personal experience with this event, right? And not as a teacher. Okay? Tabula rasa. So let me give you some dates. And I may miss them by a year or two, but uh, forgive me. Sam will correct me if I'm wrong, right? He was present for all of these. All right, pay attention. We're having class. Chalkboard's up, right? 1954. We'll skip 1963. Great year in history. I was born. Um... 1973, 2022, 2022, we don't know, we just lived history, maybe we do, thank you, the most consequential thing in my lifetime happened Friday, they erased the chalkboard, they didn't make any statement other than that. All right, so let's go back to the dates. 1869, uh, after Sam finished uh, fighting in the, in the Civil War, <coughs> he does look remarkably young, doesn't he? Um, the 14th Amendment was ratified, right? So you all know that by heart. But essentially, it basically said, the states shall not deprive any citizen of this nation of due process under the law, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was given rights to all the former slaves who are now made whole in the eyes of the law. It took a long time to get there. That's the 14th Amendment, 1869. In 1869, abortion was a crime. You just got to put yourself in place in time to understand what's going on. Right? 
1896, the Supreme Court of this land. Now, keep in mind what had happened. Go back 30-something years, and we just said all former slaves, all blacks, they're citizens, they're equal under the law. They're all created in the image of God, right? 30 years later, the Supreme Court of the United States declares separate but equal is okay. It's made segregation the law of the land. You know how long it took to fix that grave error? 1954, the Supreme Court got it right and said, no, 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 you don't do that. That's not how we do it. Separate but equal is not equal treatment under the law. 58 years. In 1954, all states but one, I think, in America, abortion was a crime. 1954. The killing of the unborn was a crime. This was not a new concept. This is a historical concept all throughout time. The murder of the unborn. Everybody just knew it and assumed it. Jump forward to 1973. The Supreme Court, out of a penumbra. Anybody know what a penumbra is? It's the shadow of us. It's, it's the weakest part of the shadow. It's on the edges. It's not even the wholeness of the shadow. It's the edges of the shadow. That was her basis for declaring that we could, that, and keep in mind in 1973, 30 states still held that abortion was a crime, a crime in the eyes of the law. And 20 other states, I'm take that back, 16 other states restricted it heavily, and I think only four permitted it at some level, but even up, only up to a certain point. There were restrictions throughout the land, if you hear what I'm saying. But the Supreme Court in 1973 decided that states could not make this decision, that the people through their legislators could not tell, tell folks that abortion was a crime. And they created the greatest evil in my lifetime. I was 10 years old. I didn't know. I was just, I was just watching Evil Knievel and playing G.I. Joe. Um, but they, they, they started the greatest evil this, the, in my lifetime. And since then, we, we slaughtered 65 million unborn children. Tori had a, a dream the other night. He shared with me two weeks ago, actually, before any of this came out. And he was at the throne of heaven. And it is, this is my interpretation of how he told me the, the, his dream. And they were around the throne, a multitude, a sea of people. So a sea's seamless, right? It's just continuous. And all of a sudden, there was a parting in it. And approaching the throne was just children. Just an unending stream of children approaching the throne. And he described their eyes as like iridescent jewels in their eyes. Just the most beautiful thing, just full of life and purity and light. And the, the resounding cry from, the, from, the, from around the throne, they overcame 
by the Lamb. The scripture says we overcame by the Lamb, we overcame by the Word, we overcame by the blood. We overcame by the name of Jesus Christ. We overcame on Friday. A great evil was undone. But all they did was wipe the board clean. They didn't declare that life begins at conception. They didn't attempt to decide when it's important and when the state has a reason to protect life. It's left up to us. We're going to decide what the future looks like. I mean, this people have to understand this. We will decide going forward. Do you know, even with the heartbeat bill that has been in, I call it the heartbeat bill, I think uh, soon-to-be Senator uh, Sam, not Sam, I'm getting my names wrong, but uh, the, you know the bill in Georgia was passed and recent, a couple years back that basically declared that if there's a heartbeat, you can't abort the child. Um, that's not currently law. It passed and was signed by the governor, but the courts have, have you know, sanctioned it, said they, we can't do that. That law cannot be enforced. Now, the state has petitioned to remove that and allow that to be law, but guess what? Abortion would still be legal in Georgia. Do you know that? Up until that point in time, which is, when is that point in time? right? It could be different. I'm sure my heart started beating at a slightly different time in my life than, than anybody else's did. Is it an exact moment? We don't know. We don't need unknown boundaries to determine when life begins or ends. Conception is clear. That's when we protect life. But moving forward, the only way we're going to decide what abortion looks like in America, it's back to us. The Supreme Court gave us a great gift. Narrowly, we have a blank slate. Don't think abortion is now illegal in America. It is not. Don't think that everything's fine going forward. It may not be. But like Clint says, I have hope. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. I mean, we are going to win this, folks. I mean, I... I never thought in my lifetime I would see this day. I saw no way forward. I never saw that we as a people could, could set those people in place whose hearts would be oriented at least to erase a stupid chalkboard and erase that great evil. But it happened, praise God. Glory to God. I tell you what, so we got work to do. There is a call of action do not sit back. The reason Roe v. Wade was decided like it was was because the church was silent, the sexual revolution was on, and people were getting real comfortable watching All in the Family or whatever was on TV at the time. Do not get lulled back to sleep by the garbage the world will throw at you. They want to abort the future. Evil does. And that lie is being told. They will try in Congress to do it before the year's out, before November happens. You understand that, right? Congress will try to codify abortion in America. It's time for action, my friends. And the church shall rise. And the truth of Christ shall prevail. Because we, as ambassadors of the kingdom, we 
are life. We speak life. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let every unborn child who's not yet breathing, not like we think about breath, but you know they praise the Lord. We got scripture to prove it, right? Jesus shows up, John shows up, right, in the womb. Hallelujah, the Lord is here. In the womb. That's as close to dancing as it ever gets with me, friends. And praise the Lord for that, because it don't get any better than that <laughs> with me. I just rejoice. You call your legislator, you call the governor, you say, I want, you know what happened in Missouri? The, I think the same day, the same day that the Supreme Court released that opinion, Abortion is banned in Missouri. 49 states to go. Amen? They were the show me state. Isn't that right? Is that what their license plate? I have no idea what it means, but now it means they will show us the way because abortion <laughs> shall be banned from sea to sea in this nation. Amen? Amen. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I, yep, yep. Come on. Amen. Um, another round of applause for, for Mike. Amazing. Um, and how um, he just speaks so much truth on this, this issue. It's such a divisive issue, and there is such a great, great deception going on in our country. And um, I am totally for life and, and um, bringing life into this world. Um, I believe it is an atrocity of what's going on, but I believe it's because so many women out there are believing the lie and the great deception because we as a church have failed to give them hope. And I see some empty baby bottles back there for Coweta County Pregnancy Services. And I'm not trying to like judge anybody here, but I'm just saying, I want to see Aquita County Pregnancy Services on every street corner in America. I want to see that these, uh, there are people out there that are giving these young women hope because they're using abortion as birth control. And they're using it as, as a way to, to um, escape responsibility or you know there's there's so many reasons um like all of that happening but i want to see the church rise up and give these young women hope and um i'm going to read something that i read this morning really quick <clears throat> um, because we serve a god who absolutely loves every single person unconditionally every single woman no matter what you've decided to do in your life and I want them to know that there is grace for you, there is mercy for you, and he will remove all your shame if you have ever done any of these things. Um, and I'm going to just say, just go through this really quick. To the woman who is pro-life, you are loved beyond measure. To the woman who is pro-choice, you are loved beyond measure. To the woman who is on the fence, you are loved beyond measure. To the woman who is heartbroken from being told she is unable to have children, 
You are loved and created for a purpose. To the woman who is excitingly pregnant with her fifth child, even though her family says it's irresponsible, you are loved and created for a purpose. To the woman who found out the child inside of her would cost her her life and choose to abort, you are loved and created for a purpose. To the woman whose world has been turned upside down when her child's heart stopped beating inside her womb, there is endless, unconditioned love for you. To the woman who is on the bathroom floor looking at two pink lines after running from their abusive partner, there is endless unconditional love for you. To the woman who has to make an impossible decision when she's told her child was not forming properly and was in extreme pain, there is endless unconditional love for you. To the woman whose abortion haunts her every day, there is grace and incredible love for you. So I hope you know that you are loved by the Savior of the world. He understands your pain, grief, worry, doubt, and every other thing you had to go through. And you are priceless, endlessly loved in his eyes. I read that, and yes, now I don't agree that abortion is right. In God's eyes, I believe that everyone is given the right to life. But we as a church need to show these young people that there is hope. And I do. I want to see a pregnancy services center on every street corner telling these people that there is hope and there is a life growing inside of them. And it is not a burden. It is a blessing because they've been told that it is a burden in their lives. So um, that's all that I had to add to that. Yeah, no, thank you. That's good. Thank you, Lauren. Because <clears throat> it is. It needed to be said. It, um, the passion needs to be expressed, but the mercy needs to be displayed as well because it's touched a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to legislate righteousness. We're not going to, the church is not going to forcibly take over and set up a theocracy. But standing in our ambassadorship as citizens of heaven, uh, we can influence government. And I'm so glad that, um, you know, that this incites hope in, hope in people like you. Because, and I'm not couching you in this, but I see the church with this fatalistic view that God's in control and everything's just going to get darker. And so let's just not try to do anything. Let's just sit back and just wait for God to come back and whatever's going to happen. And it's going to get worse and 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 worse. That's the expectation of a lot of the church. I don't want to live in that expectation. You know, even if bad things happen, there's a wheat and the tares scenario happening where the kingdom prevails. We're the children of Israel protected in the desert, walking out of deliverance where God feeds us and clothes us and takes care of us and there's no sick and all that. I mean, miraculous things can happen even if a darkness prevails in certain areas. But we have an opportunity, like he said, and a responsibility. Uh, so, you know. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate those of you that stay. And, you know, I want you. I want to hear your voices. You know, this is, this is a community of people. This is the body of Christ that God's knitting together and growing and inspiring us to increase scope of vision, to bring the gospel to this community and beyond. Amen. And to stand in who we are in Christ to affect these issues. Because we can. We, we can. You know, it just struck me. You said you never thought you'd see this happen. And you're an optimistic guy. But it has happened. Amen. Amen. And that's, your, and that's our age. Yeah. The older. And we could have gone past praying over these centers. Like I 
pray over the sinners. Yeah, because some of them are getting there. I mean, the one in Colorado was burned, and some of them are being attacked, and yeah. I'm sure they've gotten threats down there. Well, they, they have um, they have security. security. Yeah. Good, 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 good. And Mike is going to, you know, keep his ear to the ground and, and keep us informed. And we're not a political church, but we do want to shape culture. Amen. All right. And and so this this theme of freedom we're coming up on July 4th, which, by the way, uh, Tori and Kate, I'm calling it the both ends bug. I'm sure I'm sh I'm sure they appreciate me sharing that detail, but it's going around, and I, I see a few other people missing, and I think it's affected. But you know, there's life in Jesus, amen. But the the dream that you talked about, there was another dream. So he he Court, uh, Tory was supposed to preach this weekend, but they are home resting, taking care. Of, they're probably watching. Morning, guys. Um, oh, it's their anniversary. We've, you know, lots of birthdays happen. How many of you have birthdays within the last couple of weeks? One come up, birthday. I know there was a few. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, so we're, we're in an interesting, when I say we, I mean me and Sarah in our personal ministry is what we're experiencing. And, and I think it affect, it obviously affects the church as well. But also you guys, y'all know my heart. And that is I'm not, I'm not interested in you showing up here and serving my vision. I want you to get your own vision. And if that means fulfilling your call in the context of something that we're doing here, then let's link arms and do that together and commit and be dedicated to it. But if there's something else on your heart that's outside of a program, then let's talk and let's get to work. Um, there's something happening that I'm watching with the, within our ministry and within the church that I see God you know, bringing people in. I, I, I feel this sense of growth to increase uh, influence in this community, to spread the gospel and beyond. And I watched God making a couple of connections. And, you know, we, we, Sarah and I never really had the desire to connect with like ministerial networks and stuff like that. But relationships are connecting, happening. We were down in Florida a couple of years ago. I was preaching at a conference and, and met Greg Moore, which they invited me after that to come out and teach at Karis. And so that's interesting, something God's doing there. And so last year, we met another couple that, was it last year? No, when was that? Just this May. The, something like that, yeah. We met um, March. Yeah, I'm bad with time, too. Uh, Brian and Jennifer Essery. Is it Essery? Essery. Yeah, so Brian, come on up here. Y'all show Brian a little bit of love. Um, it, it, would, it would really take a while to give you a, a proper introduction but so I'll settle with worldwide famous evangelist. How's that sound? <laughs> Come on over here front and center. So, so yeah, th this, is, uh, this is just one of those relationships, you know, they, they, they showed up um, down at this conference and, you know, the ministry that this guy has walked in, is, it's pretty amazing. Um, but you guys just showed up looking for genuine connection. Yeah. That really seemed to happen with that network. You, you, you knew Nate Tanner. How many you, yeah. how many of y'all remember Nate? Yeah, Nate's awesome. Nate's yeah. also an evangelist, and invited you in. You came down, and uh, you know, so it's begun this connection. And I, I really didn't even know the scope of the ministry that you've walked in. So, you know, say hello to the people. Hello. It's Introduce good to be yourself. Here. <laughs> so my wife Jennifer over here. Yeah. No, hello, Jennifer. So, They're all we've yeah. spent. Yeah. We talked, I think, for eight hours yesterday. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah, I think we talked. Well, you get two preachers together excited about finished work. It's easy to do it, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So here, here's what I appreciate about the trajectory of what yeah. he's doing, and that is experiencing. Well, he's first off expressing his ministry on a very wide scale from a finished work perspective. Yeah. You know, I, I see the finished work message growing, and it's primarily been a teaching ministry. But I see it starting to creep out into other areas, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying these connections and these relationships that God is putting together for, for I think, a, a greater purpose than, than what we can see. But uh, I don't know what's on your heart. Kind of well, tell it's us interesting you say your... that because I was thinking about this this morning. You know, you, you <clears throat> to the body of Christ, really discipleship is we're teaching the gospel. That's really what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we're, we're teaching people what took place at the point that they accepted Christ, they were born again, the new birth, sealed with the Holy Spirit. So that's really what the book of the epistles is about. It's going back and show, telling people who they are in Christ. But when we're out in the world, we're declaring the gospel. Yeah. So you're proclaiming the gospel to the world. You get them saved, and then you just teach them what took place in them the whole time. So, and so it's really the same message. It's just delivered in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's a more simplicity when you're in, in you know, when, when I'm in India or Pakistan and I'm talking to people who even never heard the name of Jesus. Pakistan, they have, they're Muslims, but they've never heard the gospel. Then I'm just going to proclaim the gospel in the most pure, simple form as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, then, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Where you go? Yeah. Well, and so yeah. let, let's just, we'll yeah. highlight that a little bit. So we yeah. got some photos. Yeah. You, you were just in the Dominican Republic. You're focusing oh. on the Dominican Republic right now. Yeah. By the end of the sessions, I think you said there was 50,000 people yeah, there. We had 50, you guys 000. got those photos? So that's Brian and Jennifer. It's hard to see this, the, the distant reach. Well, there. you can't, yeah, it goes way beyond the. And then the go ahead and put there. the other one up yeah. where it's just him. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and, and you're, you were the sole oh. evangelist. It's, uh, let me yeah. ask you this how many, you've yeah. been doing this for 20 something years? 23 years. 23 yeah. years. Yeah. How many of these larger scale type of crusades have you done? Oh, geez. We're probably. And for 10 years in India, we were doing about six to eight a year in India. And then um, and you I would, would see crowds of what size? Anywhere from, I think the smallest crusade that we saw was 10,000. And I think the largest, 200,000. 200,000. Yeah. And then what do you see as a response to that? What kind of, what happens in those? <laughs> well, the gospel is kind of simple and it's easy. Like everywhere we go, we, we see 90, 95% of the people respond to receive Jesus. And most of these crusades, by the last two or three nights of the crusade, we're seeing anywhere from uh, 70 to 90 percent of the people instantly healed. 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 Completely and healed. And spend hours here in testimonies. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and these, not, are, these are people the, that So don't this crusade we just did in the Dominican, our last yeah. night was on Saturday night. We had about 50,000 people on the last night. The town had 60,000 people. So the, almost the entire town was at the crusade. Yeah. All the business were shut down. There might have been collectively 2,000 actual Christians in that city. So you do the math, you figure out that's a lot of unbelievers there. And uh, so we, Saturday night, so I get a text uh, from our crusade director on Sunday afternoon saying to me that all the churches that existed in San Juan, Dominican Republic, where we did this, that they didn't preach, they didn't teach. They said that people were coming in from everywhere, and all they did was took testimonies the entire, all the churches just took testimonies, and they just presented the gospel and prayed for people again. So the the churches were packed. They They were calling each other. The pastors were saying, we have nowhere to put people. Do you have somewhere? So people were out in the streets. So what people don't understand about these, these, these crusades when they see the power of God is it changes entire regions. It changes entire cities. Um, we, I was just sharing with your pastor yesterday that we were in a place called uh, Sudarpet under Pradesh, India. 
And uh, this is a crazy story. Do you mind if I tell the story real quick? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I won't tell all the story, but I'll tell this part of it. Um, I had somebody who had challenged me about the effectiveness of crusade evangelism. And uh, literally the day before this took place, and the very next day I walk into a pharmacy, and there's this young man there. It's an Indian young man. And I walked in, and I said, hey, man, are you from India? I was going in there to buy some water. And he goes, yeah, I'm from a town that's 300 kilometers south of Hyderabad. Well, in 2006, I flew into Hyderabad, and as we were driving out of Hyderabad to go to our crusade place, there was a sign, small sign on the street that said, Suterpet, 300 kilometers. I never forgot that sign. It just, this, is, this is India. This is in India, yeah. It just stuck in, the image just stuck in my heart. And so when he said that to me, this was 2011 or 2012, he says this to me in 2012. I remember 2006 seeing that sign. So I said to him, I said, you're not from Sudapet, are you? And he goes, how do you know where Sudapet is? No American knows this place. <laughs> I, said, I said, I've been there before. He goes, no, you haven't. <laughs> you know? I said, no, I've been there before. And I took out my phone and I had some of the crusade pictures um, on my phone. That was actually the one that grew to 200,000 people. And so I told him, I said, I, I said, I did an event here. Here's the pictures of it. He goes, I know you. I said, you know me? He goes, yes. He goes, oh, I don't know you, but I know who you are. And he began to explain to me that he had just moved to the States to go to college, that his family had came up somehow with the money to get him there because uh, in, in Sudapet, it's a very, in India, they have the caste system, very low caste people, what's called the delicate caste. So for them to get enough money to send somebody to the States to go to school is a big deal. But his family had somehow pulled it off. And he was calling back home while we were there doing a crusade. And when he would call his parents, his mom and dad would say, we don't know what's going on here, but there is this, there is this white man from America preaching this Christian God, Jesus. And everybody we know who's crippled and sick is getting healed. And so he said to me, now that crusade, the first night of that crusade was only 200 people. I remember pulling on that field going, ooh, this one's not going to be very good. The, the very first day was 200 people. By the last night, five nights later, it was 200,000 people. Wow. Uh, people were in the trees. They were up on the... You know, they were up on buildings. I mean, it, it was just crazy. It was overflowing in between the homes, and it, it was the craziest thing I ever saw. It took us, when we drove into that crusade, to get through the crowd, to get in the car, to get up to the platform. It took us over an hour to get through it. Like, just, it was so congested. And so, anyways, he said to me, he said, You're, he goes, you know that my, my mom and dad, they're Christians now. I said, oh, that's great. He goes, all the people I went to school with, they're Christians. And he goes, all the villages there, they were under, uh, they were all named under basically Hindu curse gods. You know, they were, and the witch doctors there had people in a lot of fear. And he said, but now all those surrounding villages, he says, they've all changed their names. They're no, they no longer have Hindu god names, but they have Christian names. He goes, that whole region now is a Christian region. Wow. And he goes, God. I've been thinking about getting, becoming a Christian, but I don't know how. And I said, well, I can help you with that right now. Yeah. yeah. And so we end up, I end up laying this guy to the Lord right there. And literally the day before, there was a guy, another minister. It's kind of a long story. I guess I'll tell you this part of it. At a, at a banquet, at a fundraising banquet, I'm sitting at the table with about eight other ministers. And he's, he's got a, a school, a, a Bible school in India. And he's talking for 30 minutes about, you know, how crusade evangelism doesn't work. And uh, you shouldn't, you know, it's a waste of time. Don't put your money into it. And at this time, I'm both pastoring a church and I'm still doing crusades. And now I'm just traveling again. And so when he got done saying all this, he asked me, well, what do you do? Well, I had two <laughs> options. I could say uh, I pastor a church or I could say I'm a crusade evangelist. And if you get to know me very well, you're gonna, you know which one I'm going to pick. 
so I said, well, it's kind of funny. I actually do crusades in India, you know. <laughs> so it was awkwardly quiet. But, you know, I was gracious and said, hey, it sounds like you're doing a great work and, and everything. But I went to bed that night, and the devil was just trying to blast, you know, give me thoughts. Like, have I been wasting my time? Is this guy right? And then the very next day, I walk in. I see this young Indian man who tells me the impact of a crusade we'd done six years ago. That's, that's amazing. And he's literally working next door to my church. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the finished work, whether it's being taught or whether we're declaring it to the lost, yeah. it produces fruits. It is the power of God of salvation. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, man, there's, there's a lot to talk about. And I think this relationship is just beginning. There's going to yeah. be some things to work together. How many of you would want to go on something like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and, and that's what you're working on. You want to raise up other evangelists mm -hmm. and take people, mostly focusing on Dominican right now. But let me, well, let me, let me ask you this before we I forget. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so ministering, you know, and I've been thinking about this. There's the demonstration of the Spirit primarily in two different facets. One is the fruits of the Spirit, yes. and one is the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm, you know, I, got, I have a pastoral, apostolic mindset maybe in the sense that I want, I love coming in week after week, hearing what's going on in your lives. I, I want you to personally experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life so that also you will then walk in the gifts of the Spirit. And, but it takes the body rising up together to step out into the gifts and cultivate that. You know, we've started this equip thing we, and just highlighting that a little bit. And we've seen some pretty amazing miracles. I mean, I just read this one. This woman came out of a coma two that's years. Awesome, and that, that's amazing. That's, yeah, and I, I, you know, I yeah. just sat and recorded something on my computer. Yeah. But um, so I'm excited to, to watch the fivefold. And the, we got an evangelist here. Look at him. Yeah. He's chomping at the bit. He's I know. ready to go. He, 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 he stopped <laughs> he's me in the hallway. He's about to tear the chair up. All right, he's already asking to go. And, and then Tori yeah. also. Tori's yeah. watching yeah. online. Uh, you know, so isn't it interesting? God yeah. made Tori sick so we could have this oh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. well, we're, I, see, we, that, we'll help you out for your doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> but you notice they yeah. laugh at that. Yeah, right? I know. So, yeah. No, obviously yeah. that's ridiculous. But anyway. So the question, here's the question I have. Um, walking in the power, seeing the fruit of the supernatural, walking in miracles, um, what's the difference? Because you've, you've come out of a few different kind of backgrounds, got a hold of the finished work yep. year, years back. He's aware of Jim Richards um, and Andrew Womack, and you're, you know, there's more of a connection happening there. But yeah. so minister, and, and a lot of people that you've seen minister, you know, the Crusades, because, you know, you, you do hear of these types of, meetings happening overseas and, and one of the things that you hear is it's easy so two things mm -hmm. it's easy they, they say it's easier to see miracles overseas so maybe comment on that but then also um, this idea of ministering out of the finished work perspective yeah. versus the intercessors coming in and praying ahead of time <clears throat> and convincing God to move and yeah. all the work and striving that gets put into yeah. hosting an environment like that well okay so I'll address the first question first I, I will say this and not from a legalistic, you know, perspective. But um, people have been saying this for years. It's easier to get miracles there than it is here. Well, if you say that long enough, that's your expectancy. Right. You know, um, my wife will tell you that, you know, we spend more time ministering in the States than we do overseas because it takes a lot of money to do these crusades. And it's here where we're preaching and people are partnering and getting behind what we're doing. And we're doing miracle healing meetings and teaching people how to get miracles. I mean, just in the last... 
you know, year. We've seen people healed of stage four cancer, somebody come out of a wheelchair that couldn't walk, um, somebody with um, OCPD that, CP, sorry, I always say it wrong, that could not breathe at all. I mean, completely healed. We're seeing, I mean, I'm, I, we've seen so many phenomenal miracles here in the States. I can't even remember them all. I mean, and, and one of the reasons is because we just don't accept that expectation. expectation. Like, we're not going to accept that. That's, you know, that's just our attitude. You know, we're not going to do it. But now, <clears throat> you're asking regarding um, from a finished work. I, I, I'll tell you um, two things real quick. I think that if you've been in the body of Christ long enough, if you've been in, gosh, I don't, you know, full gospel, I'll just put it that way, all-inclusive, if that works, whatever that is. And, and, you know, I know you guys are finished work people, we're finished work people. I have been since 1997, so, you know, I've been preaching this since I got, since 1999, I've been in ministry full-time, but it's all we preach is finished work. And, of course, I go back and listen to some of the stuff and realize, well, there's still a lot of mixture in that. I don't know if we ever get rid of that completely. We're on a journey, right? <laughs> but, but um, you know, the thing is, is that um, there, I think, though, if you've been in church long enough, one of the things that we've done, even as grace people, sometimes I think we, we still accept this idea that miracles are hard, healing is hard, faith, faith is difficult. And, and so years ago, God really began to deal with my heart about that. And what happened was, is I was actually doing a pastor's conference, and, uh, and I was teaching these pastors on how to work miracles and to evangelize. There was about a 1,000 pastors here in my 20s. And one of the pastors gets up, and he leaves, and he walks away about 100. It was in a tent, and he walks away about a, maybe 100 meters away, and he falls over dead. And I just literally got done making a comment. It was the last session of that morning, you know, you know about raising the dead. I didn't mean it to turn into an object lesson. <laughs> so they come running to me, and they're like, Brian, we need to come quickly, come quickly. The pastor's in trouble. When the pastor's in trouble, I'm, I, at this point, I don't know what's going on. So I, they, I, I go over there, and, and, of course, I just got done teaching them they could all do this. But, of course, because I'm the guy with the microphone, they run to me to do it. So I walk over there, and here's this pastor. I mean, he's dead as dead can be. I mean, he's released on himself. He's not breathing. We had two doctors there on, in, in, with us. I won't go into all the reasons why. They have declared that he's gone. Nothing's happening. So <clears throat> I walk up there, and I looked at uh, the, the, the people who organized this, the head guy, and I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he's like, well, raise him from the dead. You just preached on it. Like, Great. Well, long story short, man, I had zero faith to see this man raised from the dead. I mean, none. I didn't feel like I had an expectancy. I had no faith. I had nothing. And you know what I did? I, I, I rebuked the spirit of death, and he was still dead. You know, I, I, you know, I prayed every prayer I could think of, and he was still dead. I, I went into emergency tongues, and he was still dead. Emergency tongues. I mean, I did everything you know to do. And, and didn't, nothing's changing. And I don't feel like there's an ounce of faith operating in me. I didn't feel like there was a gift, nothing. And so finally I asked the people, I said, where's the nearest hospital? And they told me, and I said, well, drive him there, and before you get there, he's going to come back in Jesus' name. And so they put him in the back of this truck, and they drive him off. And I'm thinking, why did I even say that? I don't even know if I believe that. But I just made a declaration. That's all I did. What I was really doing was agreeing with God. That was all I did. I was agreeing with the will of God. God did not will for this 50-year-old man to die of a heart attack. And I didn't feel nothing. And so anyways, when they began to drive him down the road, about 10 minutes down the road, all of a sudden he comes back. Wow. And so I always tell people all the time, the first time I raised someone from the dead, I didn't believe it was going to work. But what I did do was I, I, I agree with God. And I think we've made faith sometimes such a huge mountain 
we made it so difficult that, that, that the idea of faith becomes a bigger giant than the obstacle we're actually facing. And so, and I, and I see this in Mark chapter 9. You guys remember the demon-possessed boy in Mark chapter 9. When Jesus came off the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, hey, what's going on? And, and the father says, well, we spo- I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, and they could not. You know, the, the terminology there doesn't look like someone who's asking. He literally is saying, it's, a, it's terminology of a challenge. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So when this demon-possessed boy begins to manifest, Jesus doesn't deal with the demon. He doesn't even turn to the disciples. He goes right to the father who has the authority in the situation. He deals with his heart. And he begins to talk to him. Now the boys, now this boy is having his manifestation. I believe the fatherly instincts in his heart begin to kick in. Matter of fact, the scripture says he was there with the Sadducees. So, you know, I don't know whether he was one, but he definitely was rubbing elbows with them. He, he had had their tradition and the religion pushed down him. So this is a challenging situation for the disciples. This is not a, you know, this is not a good healing meeting they showed up to with great expect- expectancy. You follow me? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus deals with the father, and the father then says, if you can do anything, please help us. And Jesus says, if all things are possible, those who believe. And we stop there, and we praise, and we shout, and we go, that's right. All things are possible who believe. And then the person struggling that believes is going, man, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work for me. But the father says something very honest to Jesus. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What he's basically saying was, is, I want to believe, but I'm having a hard time. I've been dealing with this thing since childhood. This thing's been right in my face, screaming at me. I'm struggling here. Jesus didn't stop and teach him great lessons to have great faith. He said, I'll work with that, and he got the boy delivered. And so one of the things that, that, that day, whenever that man that came back from the dead made me realize is, we're putting way too much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. Way too much. When all that God really needs is our agreement. If you, and, and faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is simply moving forward in spite of fear. I mean, we see that in the life of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He just went to Athens, completely failed for the first time in his life. He never went and, and not had results. That's where he preached on the unknown God. It was when he got away from preaching the simple gospel, got into a really nice intellectual message, got no results. Now he's going to the Corinthians next. And he later on writes them and said, when I came to you, I came to you with much fear and trembling. But I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified, back to the gospel, so that your faith would not be in persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. His faith went back, I'm going to get back to preaching Jesus and him crucified, and it worked. And so what I tell people all the time is, there's a lot of times that I don't know whether something's going to work or not. My faith is not in my ability to muster up great faith. My faith is not my ability, and my faith is not how much I've, I've prayed before. My faith is in the message of the gospel. Right. That if I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, I know whether it's in a church meeting and I'm teaching it to somebody, or whether I'm declaring on a stage in front of 100,000 Muslims, it doesn't matter. God confirms that message. Amen. So we say all the time that it's not the messenger, it's the message. But if you don't understand the finished work, one, you won't believe that. You'll believe it's up to you and your anointing and right. your gifting and your calling. And we got entire bookstores right. that got all kinds of books about that stuff. I say all the time that, of course, now it's all on, online. But back when we had bookstores, there should be a big sign that says, warning, this could be hazardous to your spiritual health. <laughs> right? Because it gets people back in dead works. But when we truly understand that it's, it, it truly is Jesus Christ and him crucified, then we will see this. When, our, when we truly place our trust in that, that's where we're going to get Book of Acts results over and over again. Man, come yeah. on. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah.
I'll tell you one more quick story, and I'll do this real quick. Yep. I took a team of people years ago down to Montego Bay, Jamaica, to suffer for Jesus. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a tough place to crusade. That was a tough then. crusade to do, I'll tell you. But, and, and we were doing, we were all in our 20s. And I, and I mean, they were like, I'm like 23, and they're 20, and I'm taking them all down there, and I'm their leader. So, you know, that's trouble right off the bat. But we were doing street crusades. We brought a sound, little sound system in there, and we would play reggae music, and I insisted it was non-Christian. Um, because I had gotten a hold of finished work and I wanted nothing. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we played this reggae music and people would gather around and see these, you know, American white people. What are you guys doing down here? And we'd get up and preach the gospel. And we'd been doing this for like seven nights. And the crowd kept getting a little bigger. By this point, it was like a thousand people were showing up and we were seeing miracles in the streets doing this. You know, we'd get up and yell, free miracles, free miracles. And they'd all get it. What do you mean, free miracles? You know? Yeah, it was great. So that's how I actually started doing crusades, getting the streets and yelling free miracles. And so, <laughs> true story. So anyways, um, um, we're there. Well, we had this one girl there. Man, she was just a problem. She, I think her parents sent her on the meet to come with us. She, she didn't want to be there. She had an attitude. Well, we have a book that we will give people called The Wonderful, Powerful Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's literally a book that trains people how to preach the gospel in a crusade setting. And so we had told everyone, memorize the gospel message in there. And each night we were letting young people share the gospel. And we were letting people preach in the crusade. It was a training crusade. And it was her turn to do it. And she got up there and she got her microphone and she just put her hand on her hip. And she's like, I guess it's my turn to do this tonight. So I've got to uh, preach to you. I'm not joking. She says this. And she opens up this book and she goes, she starts reading it from the book with an attitude. I was so mad. I mean, ang- and, you know, I'm in the back of the crowd. And uh, so one of the other guys was what we call on the crusade, MC in it. And I went straight to go get the microphone. The Holy Spirit goes, Brian, stop. He goes, I'm going to show you that the gospel is so powerful, it will stand on its own two feet, even when someone preaches it from the wrong motive. Mm-hmm. We had the best miracles that night. As she shared it out of a book. Praise Anyways, God. I, I yeah. was a lot. Sorry, man. No, that's yeah. good. Man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. It made me realize this really is not about you. Well, and it, yeah. right. And, and so it demystifies yeah. the special anointing people. Yeah. God has anointed me. I have a healing anointing. No, you don't. Yeah. Well, if you do, so does every other believer. Sure. Right? We are complete in Christ, and that's the difference. And yeah. so, you know, I know that you want to train up evangelists in that message, knowing their completeness in Christ. But there is an element of training and activation and legitimate impartation of stirring things up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to say this too, because I know I I can feel it. It's like like you want to believe, but then you start thinking about your past and what you've seen. You you get excited. It's, I get, amen, I see it's scriptural, but I'm still hurting from this loss I have. This is what I want to do, but I'm suffering right now. I'm sick or whatever, you know. So you got a choice. How are you going to respond to hearing something like that? What are you going to do? Are you going to shrink back into your evaluation of physical circumstances? Or are you going to have that kingdom spiritual view and say, you know what? All things are possible. Well, why didn't it happen? I don't care. What if it does happen? Well, what if it's not going to work? What if it does? Well, why didn't it happen this time? Who cares? It's supposed to because Jesus paid for it. Amen? So it's not that you live in denial. You don't close your eyes and stick your head in the sand. And you don't, we don't become scientists with the word and try to dissect everything. We take Jesus at his word. He said, 
I mean, he went about showing us who God is, doing good and healing all. Then he said, you have the same power. You have the authority. It's what I want. That's, that's what I want to do. I, I don't, I don't want to let circumstance, personal experience, whatever, rationalization, reasoning, uh, you know, tamp down the stretching that, that, it, that might be required. But I, I appreciate the nuance that you gave in that. You know, it's not about working up the faith. It's just having being fully persuaded in what Christ accomplished. Yeah. It's really what it's about. Yeah. Just being 100% persuaded in that. And, and you know, and uh, so... I think one of the things that keeps people from doing, doing it, I'll tell you something that personally helps me. Yeah. Um, we hear this, we get excited. Wow, you know, and when I talk about proclaiming the gospel to the lost, I always say the gospel to the lost is proclaiming four points. It's, it's the virgin birth of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus demonstrate the will of the Father by forgiving and healing all. It's the, the shed blood on the cross that our sins are forgiven. And it's the resurrection from the dead that we've been justified. That is the God. That's what Paul says. I'm not ashamed of. And that's pretty much what you preach. That's what I preach all in these the crusades. time in these, in crusades, these crusades. Yes, over and over again. And that's what Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17. He says, "For in that message of the gospel, the righteousness of God, or the way to have right standing with God, is revealed from faith to faith." When we share that to the lost, they don't even know why they believe it. I mean, come on. Did any of us really, within our human reasoning, believe in a virgin birth? Right. Of course not. You faith came. We know that. Romans 10, 17, you know, the faith comes by, by the word of God and by the word of Christos Christ. So when they hear that word of the gospel, which in context in Romans chapter 10 is what Paul's talking about, even though it's still a spiritual law that continues as we, we walk in the Lord, but when they hear that, the ability, the faith of God, the, the measure of faith that we all got now, Romans 12, 3, Ephesians 2, 8, we're saved by grace through faith, not ourselves as a gift of God. That faith from God comes when they hear that and it's, we call it conviction, but really it's just, it, they all of a sudden, I mean, we see it all the time. It's not just in the Crusades. My wife will tell you that sharing the gospel, we do it with our waiters. I mean, we've had young people sitting there at Texas Roadhouse in tears after sharing the gospel going, I don't, I, I've never heard this. And then we're chasing us down. We're leaving, thanking us, you know, 19-year-old college students. So, you know, when you share this message with people, it works. It really works. God is, the Holy Spirit is on this message. And, and it's not difficult. And if you just become the champion of that message, it's going to help. But here's the thing. I know what most people struggle with because everybody does. It's hard to step out. Yeah. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Every one of us struggle with the boldness side of it, right? All of us do, including myself. There is times I'm sitting there. I've got the opportunity to share the gospel with someone or pray for the sick. I'm just like you, you guys. I don't, I don't get it all right and perfect every time. And, but this is what I've learned to do in my life, and, and Jennifer knows this. You know, I pastored for 10 years, but God delivered me from that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, it's a joke. I enjoyed most of it, 80% of it. But, um, but so I didn't do this pastoring because it's a different situation. But as I travel, whether I am coming to a church to minister or whether I'm speaking at a conference, or even whether I'm doing a crusade, my prayer is never, Lord, give me a word for that church, give me a word for that con conference, the crusades, I already know what the word's going to be. It's going to be the gospel. I never pray that. I, don't, I quit praying that years ago. Instead, and this really helps me also in just even being out in, among, in, among people we live in, public, neighbor, whoever. Lifestyle yeah, evangelism. Yeah. Here's my prayer. 
we know that Romans tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart, right? We all know that. Like God's love is on the inside of us. We know that we love because he first loves us. As grace people, we know that there's nowhere written in the epistles one time that we're supposed to love God. All the focus is that God loves us. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. And that we respond to his love. You can't give what you're not experienced. So this is my prayer. Lord, let me experience a revelation of your love for me so the compassion, the capacity of compassion in my own heart will be stronger for them. Yeah. Amen. Because at the end of the day, it is love that overcomes fear every time. And so when I go into a church, my prayer for that congregation and for that pastor, even when I come to ministers, Lord, don't give me a word in season. Lord, give me a love for that pastor and his congregation. Because if I'm praying for that, whatever word they need is going to be available and activated in me. Right. And so, and I think this is just something that I've been living by for the last 15 years. And it has sincerely helped me to overcome fear and become bolder because it took the focus off of me. And I really began to focus and see people how God sees them. And it made it easier to be bold. And the bolder you are, the more you're going to see. But, but the strength of your boldness is knowing God's love for you and being able to love people the way he loves people. Yeah, man, so good. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be connected, stay connected, and uh, you know, watch the relationship grow. It gives me an increased scope of vision. You know, I, I have to say that's something that, that has been a fruit of watching what God is doing in my personal life, mine and Sarah, and the church also. You know, whether y'all realize it or not, this body is a, an example to a lot of people out there that are, that are in this message, and they're trying to structure and organize their churches in such a way that's built on freedom, that's built on serving in your passion, it's not built on programs, and, uh, you know, it, we're making a difference. But I have the desire to see this increase. And so I, I appreciate you coming. And, you know, the way, the way that this worked out, actually, they, they just messaged. They were coming through town, um, going to a wedding. They wanted to hang out. And then it, and then it just this just worked out. So I, I appreciate you being willing. We, we sure. put him to work on a day that they were getting ready to go to a wedding. And it's not really work. I mean, you know. But um, I, I guess two things. Does anybody have any questions? It's called The Wonderful, Powerful Gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's written by Jerry Odell. But Jerry Odell. Jerry Odell. Jerry Odell. That, that was one of your mentors. Jerry Odell that... was my mentor, taught me how to do crusades at a very young age, and he was T.L. Osborne's associate evangelist for 17 years. So, yeah. Anybody else? So, you, so you, mm -hmm. Would you currently preach communion? Yes. Yeah. You ready to sign up? Yeah. You're working on all that now. Well, yes. So... This year's, we weren't even planning on doing much preaching this year. I just stepped down from pastoring a little over a year ago, and it was we were building all the infrastructure because we're putting programs together to really teach people from a finished work perspective on these things. And, and we're, we're creating something called the Miracle Lifestyle University where we really are teaching people from a grace perspective on to do what we do and train people up, whether you want to do crusades or whether you just want to be effective at work, preaching that, you know, whatever it is. And so um, uh, right now, everything is being put together. So we've not really launched our ministry, but we've been on the road, what, 80% of the year preaching? That was not the plan. <laughs> I don't have the ability to say no, apparently. <laughs> and so, but, uh, but we love it because we're seeing what God is doing. It's great. But um, the website is just real simple. It's brianestreeministries.com. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. make sure that right. that gets posted. But right now, we don't even have much up. 
there's very little up. I mean, it's basically just a partner page right now, but hang on to it because things are going to start coming up here pretty quick and all the information will be on there. And you can find us on Facebook pretty easily. So we're friends with Pastor Clint. So, so, so. Anybody else? Um, so, yeah. not asking you for a word for this church, yeah. but out of your deep love for me and Sarah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just what's on your heart for the body? You've been, you, you kind of yeah. got to know us a little bit. Yeah. You've been here. We are a a small but thriving bunch, expecting growth. By the way, mm -hmm. I want that 18 acres on the other side of the school over there. Let's just go ahead and believe for that. Yeah. That's the perfect spot, is it not? It only costs about four and a half million, and then we need another five on top of that. So somebody go ahead and write a $10 million check. We'll just make it happen. But I don't know. Is, is there anything on your heart about yeah, that? Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily just a, well, let me say this to you. Um, God has put a very unique gift in you in the fact that you can meet people both at a spiritual place and an intellectual place. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, something that most people struggle with. You can go to the intellect and not and and get past people's human reasons reasoning still and so what i believe the lord showed me about you that over this weekend and i've talked to jennifer a little bit about it but i believe that god is calling you to reach into an intellectual community where most people struggle to go because once they go there oftentimes they get into the human reasoning to the point that the power of god stops but you have something in here where you can demonstrate and still meet them at an intellectual level and I'm not necessarily talking about, I'm not talking about uh, uh, Christian apologetics. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that you can teach things and reach things. There is a great leadership in this man. I mean, phenomenal leadership in this man. I hope you guys realize that. Like, like he, it, he this, this he, there is, he, uh, and I'm not, I'm, I want to be really careful because we just throw things out there so easy in the body of Christ, right? And, and so I really want you to hear my heart on this when I say this. That when I say that he's a leader of leaders, he's a leader of highly intelligent leaders, both in the business arena, in the secular arena, and in the ministry arena. And I think God's going to be bringing some people across your path. Get ready for a lot of engineers and things of that type that God's going to bring. That also, in, in entrepreneurs, that also are going to help you guys finance what it is that God's called you to do, this yeah, product. Awesome. Yeah, that's what's what's in, and so um, I've thought, you know, I heard you minister one time, and I looked over at Jennifer. I go, this is my kind of guy, man. He is a deep <laughs> thinker. I like him, right? Uh, I love that about him and appreciate about him because I don't think that uh, being uh, a believer and being a person of faith and a finished work and being a Christian and believing in the supernatural means we got to get weird and turn off our brain. Amen. We can actually be naturally supernatural. What I mean by that is we can get results without scaring everybody off. Yeah. Amen. I like to use yeah. the word to demystify. Demystify the things yeah. of the spirit. Yeah. And so um, I appreciate that. Man, we're really glad to know you. Yeah. We're and excited. You and Sarah. So do, do y'all yeah. just kind of sense yeah. a, I don't know, a sense of purpose maybe. So yeah. we, we talked and we won't go into the detail now, yeah. but I'm excited about what you're building because yeah. it'll be something that our people that have that desire for evangelism can tap into and see it facilitated and we cultivate it and nurture it with some training that we may not necessarily have in place here, but yeah. uh, somebody that's been there and done that, right? Yeah. And the opportunity to go out and get the training. Yeah. So, you know, we'll just walk it out. Uh, what was your name again? Mike. Mike, I just want to let you know I'm from Missouri and I can tell you what the show me state means. We don't talk, we do. 
<laughs> yeah. We don't talk, we do. We do. <laughs> Missouri's like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see it. That's why they were the first one to sign it in, I'm telling you. And, That's the mentality. And on yeah. that word, let's yeah. not talk, let's do. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Let's not Amen. just talk. Let's yeah. not just understand grace. Let's watch yeah. the demonstration of it. It was supposed to. You know, I think that we had a tendency in the body of Christ because we came out of so much works mentality. We came into grace and went, oh, Somebody give me a bean back chair and a bag of Cheetos and let's watch some TV type thing, you know, <laughs> right? And it's like not understanding that grace didn't mean we got lazy. It just meant we did everything from a place of rest. You know, Joseph Prince says it very well. He said, grace is not inactivity, but it is spirit-led activity. And I like to say that it's spirit-led and spirit-empowered activity to do what we're called to do, knowing the whole time that God is pleased with us. Man, so, that's so yeah, good, yeah, so good. Yeah, Would so, you pray? Sure. Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness. And Father, we thank you that your spirit lives on the inside of us, that you're big in us, Father, that the God of the universe, the creation of all things, the ones whose word holds it all together, actually dwells and bides and lives inside of us, and we are carriers of everything you are, Father. And Lord, we thank you that this morning, that our hearts are continued to be stirred with the understanding of the potential that is in us and with the love of God that dwells in us to be moved with compassion for what the purpose of that potential is. And Father, we just declare this morning, we declare this morning that we will be ambassadors on behalf of the living King to see your will accomplished and done in the earth, Father. Totally confident in your character, knowing your will, knowing your goodness, Father. Yeah. And being able to see people through the eyes that you see them, Lord. Be able to see people through compassion and love. And Father, right now we thank you. Right now there's a lot going on in America. And even with this uh, victory, Father, of life, that you would help us as a church to speak truth, to speak what's right, but to love people who oppose us, Father. To love people who oppose us and to demonstrate to them that God loves them. And, Father, we just thank you for the favor that is on this church, on Pastor Clinton, Sarah, and this congregation. And, that, Father, that you have put a sphere of influence, a destiny on this congregation and on this leadership and on Pastor Clinton and Sarah that is only for them. And we thank you, Lord, that they thrive in that, rest in that, realize that as they step into that, Father, that they step into that rhythm of grace, Father, that just begins to lead them into the things specifically that you've placed on them to do, that, Father, they do it from a place of rest, from a place of easiness, even the midst of things coming against them, Father. And, Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Just give him a little bit of love. <clears throat> man, good stuff, yeah. Did you have something else? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I forgot about that. Do you guys want to see, what is it, like a minute and a half? Yeah, yeah. You want to see a video of a woman that just got healed in the last couple of weeks? Yeah. You want to show the video first or talk? Let me tell him real quick. Okay. He'll get you back. All right. This is real raw. Like, this is from our phone. It's not even from the cameras. You know, like we have, like, it's not from the, it's just right, my wife recording it, so it's very raw. But this, let me tell you real quick, because you kind of lose it in the translation, what was going on. This young lady, it was the last night of the crusade. She'd come to the Crusades, and she'd had tumors, I mean, massive, huge tumors all over her chest, 
around her sides and around her back. And uh, if you even, she said that her clothing laying on her would leave, just keep her in pain. She was in extraordinary pain, constant pain. January, or June, excuse me, June the 19th, which is now past, she was scheduled to go in for an emergency surgery that was extremely dangerous because uh, where the tumors had developed, it went into arteries and things, and, but she had to do something. Um, I do not actually believe, I don't know for sure, I don't believe they were cancerous, but they were just taking over her body and, and her, her life was destroyed her life and she had, she picked to take this, take this risky surgery. Came to the crusade on the last night when I prayed the mass healing prayer, because you don't lay hands on 50,000 people, it takes a while. When I prayed the mass healing prayer, she said that the Spirit of God hit her, she went to the ground, could not move, and she heard God's audible voice saying, I'm healing you now. She came back up and could not find the tumors. So this is her reaction of this. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's the gospel. We just keep preaching the gospel, but we just put our expectation out there with it. Amen. Let's stand up. Put your attention on the Lord. Father, thank you so much. Just say, I trust you. I don't want to limit you. I want to walk in the authority you've given me, displaying your gifts and your power. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for life and blessing in every single person in this place. If you've never said yes to Jesus, whether you're in the room or watching online, our prayer team is, gonna, is up here. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, slide your way on up here and let these guys pray with you. You need prayer for anything at all in your life, come on up here. If you're watching online, go to our website, forward.church. Right on the front there, there's a who is Jesus. Father, I thank you for the people in this room, people listening, that they're stirred, that their hearts are expectant that we are dependent on the spirit within us and not in the capacity of our own faith, but that faith is a gift that works through us. And we just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 
And even in the area of our finances, Lord, we want to trust you because you, you promised to Abraham that your family on this planet would be so blessed that we would be a blessing to the nations, that it would draw people to us to teach them your ways. That's what we want to do. We don't give to get, but our heart's directly tied to our finances, so we just cultivate generosity, not out of compulsion and not out of manipulation, but because we want to increase the capacity of our heart to receive, we give out of generosity, not out of obligation, but out of just a response to the goodness that you've displayed to us. So, Father, I thank you for every person in this, in this room right now, that you're increasing the power to get wealth within them, that you're, you're strengthening their confidence, you're changing how they see money, you're, you're helping them depend on you as their provider beyond what the ledger sheet says and beyond just where they are in their jobs. Father, I thank you that you're increasing our capacity to trust you to be our provider in supernatural ways. Do you say yes to that? Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.